0: If you brought a Bible, I hope you did. Go ahead and grab it. These past few weeks together we've been in a series of talks regarding the subject of the Holy Spirit. In order to conclude that conversation today, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is kind of the quintessential treatise on spiritual gifts. I know that because the heading here in my Bible in 1 Corinthians 12 It says spiritual gifts, so there you go. Uh, But I think it's important for you to understand this idea of spiritual gifts. Last week, I showed you how the Holy Spirit guides your life with power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in you the moment you trust Jesus as your Savior. I challenge you not just to say that, but you need to display it as well. In other words, we need to put God's power on display. It's like the prophet Uncle Ben said, not not the rice Uncle Ben, the uh, Spider-Man Uncle Ben. He said, with great power comes great responsibility. There's a purpose to the power at your disposal. That's not just true for Peter Parker. That is true for you as well today. God has given you a gift. Even if you're not a believer in Christ, you have a gift. You are a ten in some area. There's, today, though, we need to differentiate the two. There's spiritual gifts, and then there's gifts or talents. And before we can do, uh, differentiate those things, I would just like to say this morning, thanks for sitting up front today, right? I have it on good authority that when Jesus comes back and we're raptured into heaven, you guys get to go first, okay? So there you go. It's a big deal. You'll get your first pick of the mansions. These other people, they have to live in shacks and all that, so don't even worry about it. Uh, But with Easter coming up, I believe that God's going to use the invites and the Easter baskets that we do. So I would encourage you, if you are a normal attender here, sit up front, scoot in. The Holy Spirit's in you. He doesn't need to be next to you. You know what I'm saying? You don't need that buffer seat anymore. Let's uh, bring it all up front, and we'll just believe that God's going to do something cool for everybody else that comes as a guest into our house. Amen, somebody? Now, normally when we do a sermon series, the groups of messages really do not intersect. They all have a common theme generally, or they're all within a uh, book of the Bible, but you don't have to be here for part one in order to understand part two. Uh, This series, though, is a little bit different. We've been building up to today. This is the climax. This is the culmination of everything that we've been doing leading to this point. In case you missed part one or part two, let me catch you up and set a framework for you moving forward because you need to know that the Holy Spirit is a who, not an it. He's a somebody, not a something. And because he is deity, not an entity, his primary purpose in life is to help guide you into fullness of life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring fullness of life to you. The way he does that is by first convincing you of your need for God. We all need God in order to experience fullness of life. I feel like I say this every week, but God's not trying to keep anything from you. God is the author of life. And the only way to fill that void you keep trying to fill is with a relationship with Jesus. It's not in drugs. It's not in alcohol. It's not in sex or money or power or fame or more opportunities for your kids. It's in God. God. It's in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The only way you can know that though is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And He guides you into that. The Bible says He convicts you of your need for God. The second way He does that is He helps guide you with power. Last week we talked about that and it's a dynamite-like power that He explodes all the non-life-giving elements inside of you. He breaks you and then remakes you. He blows you up so that He can build you up. His goal is to make you new. He wants to help you become more like Jesus. And finally, the other thing the Holy Spirit does is lead you into fullness of life. He does that by giving you a spiritual gift. I titled my message this morning, The Gift That Keeps On Giving. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Unlike the Jelly of the Month Club, this gift is not going to... Listen. If you can bring Christmas vacation into a message, and it ain't Christmas, it's going to be a good Sunday, everybody. I mean, you better buckle up because that was solid. We're going to get after it today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You should have found it by now. Uh, Let's read it. Here we go. Now, brothers, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. Just for the record, I have the same conviction. I do not want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts and what's at your disposal as a Christian. Verse 2, You know that when you were still pagans or unbelievers, you were led astray and swept along into worshiping speechless idols. Things like sex, money, power, fame. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit fills our hearts the moment we received that free gift of salvation. Because you can't confess Jesus as Lord without the power of the Holy Spirit. So he fills you up when you start believing that Jesus came and did what he said he would do, which is die for you. Verse 4, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So we can help each other. Again, so why is the gift given? So we can help each other. That being said, we looked at a couple other passages in these uh, these weeks together and in this series on the Holy Spirit. And we know that Scripture has to interpret Scripture. And so what does the rest of Scripture say about us helping each other? I want to show you one verse which we looked at last week. It's Acts 1.8, which says... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? Because you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So apparently, the point of spiritual gifts that the Lord gives out at His discretion is so that you can help each other and be a witness to the world. Jot that down if you're taking notes. The point of spiritual gifts is to be a help and a witness. Now, This is the question that I just can't get around. If it's true that the Holy Spirit literally takes up residence in our lives... When we confess our faith in Jesus Christ, which is what we believe, we just read that. That's what happens. and uh, So we believe the Holy Spirit is in you. You don't have to go anywhere to meet God. He's right here with you. So if, if the third member of the Trinity, God Himself, is living inside you, helping you, guiding you, then shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living inside of them and the person who does not? This might be a silly illustration, but if I told you I had an encounter with God where He literally entered my body and gave me supernatural ability to become the next great WWE superstar, wouldn't you expect to see an an amazing improvement in my physique? Shouldn't I start bursting with muscles and charm and charisma I mean, the charm and charisma, I've pretty much got that. Let's be honest. Could cut a mean promo. But shouldn't, like, if you saw no change in my athleticism or my physical appearance, wouldn't you question the validity of my encounter? After all, this is the God of the universe that we are talking about. I mean, wouldn't you think I was making the whole thing up if there wasn't some evidence of a change? And yet, we as Christians verbally profess that God has changed our life, but our lives really don't look all that different from the way they did before. Many Christians' lives don't look that different from the rest of the people in the world who say God is a joke. Just to prove my point, the Pew Research Center showed the average Christian only gives away two percent of their income. Yet, 75% of people who do not go to church, who do not believe in God, they give their money to a non-profit organization at the rate of 4%. In other words, based on how we spend our money, we're really not that different from the people in the world. Furthermore, the average church attendance right now is 1.8 Sundays per month. So less than two times a month will somebody come to church. But again, non-Christians will serve at their school PTO or their kids' baseball games or whatever every single week. It does not seem that we're living counterculturally at all. I mean, if we're going to be a help and a witness, something has to be different about us, right? And if it's not our money and if it's not our church attendance, then it better be something else. Because if you're going to be a help and a witness, you better have something better to offer the world. So maybe it's our attitude. Maybe that's the thing that's different about us as Christians, except a recent survey showed that only 40% of the Christians in the world consider their lives to be happy. Friends, this should not be. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our lives have to look different. And if you're saying, Pastor, well, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that person look like? That person, if you want to picture in your mind someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, picture someone who's constantly talking about Jesus. They're constantly trying to help people encounter Jesus. They're compelled to testify about all that God has done for them. They enjoy their life and their time and their treasure and their talents and all of those things mirror what God has commanded in His Word. I guess I'll say it this way. Maybe this is a better uh, example. If you're going to be a help and a witness to somebody, you better be smoking what you're selling right? You tracking with that? Maybe that was a little better for some of you. Uh, uh, That's whatever. Uh, But God, if he's really God and he's made a difference in your life, then people better be able to look at you and see it. You know what I'm saying? You've got to look different from the world. The Bible calls this being salt and light. I'm actually going to talk about light next week, but here's what I know about salt. When you go to the movie theater and you spend the $56 it takes to get into the movie on tickets and then you spend your next $34 on popcorn, you only got $10 out of that 100 spot you brought. You better fork over that $10 for the soda because the popcorn is going to make you thirsty. The, the salt on the popcorn, it causes thirst. And if you're supposed to be salt for Jesus, does your pe- life make people thirsty for Him? When, when people encounter you, are they thirsting for Jesus based on what they're seeing in your life? That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is all about. Helping and witnessing because your life has been changed. You can't help but testify to God because of all He's done for you. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. That simply means to declare the name of Jesus because Jesus is the fulfillment of all prophecy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Write this down. All the gifts are available, but allocated by God. All the spiritual gifts listed in Scripture are available to you, but they are allocated by God. I'll explain it this way. Because uh, when you have kids, trying to go out to eat is a nightmare. One kid wants one thing, the other kid wants something different. So choosing a restaurant is like choosing uh, the winning numbers on a Powerball ticket, okay? It's virtually impossible. You're not going to make every one of them happy. But one thing that all my kids like is bread. So uh, in December on a Sunday, my birthday happened to fall on a Sunday. So we we're going to go out to eat for lunch. And so we decided to go to Logan's Roadhouse because it has steak. Amen. Somebody, that's <laughs> this is what I like. Uh, it has great bread, which is what my kid my kids like. And there's no dancing waitresses, which everybody likes. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have to go. to Texas wrote Uh But what Laura and I were both really excited about and why we chose Logan's were the onion petals. Uh, Logan's Roadhouse has this appetizer where they fry up little pieces of onion and they serve them in a bucket because that's just amazing. And they bring the bucket to your table. It's great. Except when I ordered that, the little girl taking my order says, oh, we don't have those anymore. I, I said, no, you don't understand. Today is my birthday the only reason I chose this establishment is because of your great roles and because I wanted fried onion petals soaked in ranch dressing bursting with flavor when I put them in my mouth I'm going to need you to go back to the kitchen and find somebody I don't care who it is who's worked here long enough that they can fry up some onion petals and make that dream a reality she said well I wish I could but we don't have that ability anymore And so it is with much of the Holy Spirit's power. People want you to believe it's on the menu, but they're not serving it in the kitchen anymore. Except my Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means there's great power still available at your disposal, and all the gifts can still be used to help and witness to people. Amen, somebody? Martin Lloyd-Jones said, The greatest sin of the evangelical church is telling God what he's no longer allowed to do absolutely now don't misunderstand me because i do believe all the gifts are still available but i don't believe they are all accessible by you whenever you want scripture clearly says that god alone the one spirit he alone decides and i think this is confusing for people because some folks will teach that you have to have a certain type of encounter in order to experience the power of the holy spirit they say things like, well, you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the evidence that you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit is that you'll speak in tongues. Now, here's the only problem with that. The Bible. The Bible never actually says that. Now, the phrase baptized by the Holy Spirit does occur in Scripture. It actually occurs twice in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 11. Hopefully, in your small groups, you can talk about that. But not everything you read in Scripture is prescriptive. Some things that you read are simply descriptive. In other words, sometimes the authors are just describing for you what happened. They're not prescribing what needs to happen in your life. There's actually four different types of tongues that are are, uh, given in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit shows Himself in a variety of different ways. And almost every single one of those ways happens only once. The burning bush. One time. A total eclipse at Jesus' death? One time. Earthquake? One time. Elijah and the angels on the ridge? One time. Descending like a dove? Not a dove. Descending like a dove? One time. Samson ripping a lion apart with his bare hands? One time. I don't see anybody advocating that if you've been baptized by the Spirit, you need to go kill a lion with your bare hands. Rip them like one tears a young goat is what Scripture says. Uh, That's not because it happened just once. Furthermore, Jesus said, you will know my disciples by their love for one another. He says in another place, you will know those that follow me by their fruit. He didn't say you'll know my disciples by their tongues. He didn't say you'll know my disciples by the miracles that they do. In fact, when the disciples showed up and they said, Jesus, we can do all these miracles. He's like, you need to be more proud that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, not the fact that you can do all these miracles. He says... It's by their fruit. And Galatians goes on and tells us what that fruit is, is. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Fruits of the Holy Spirit. That's how you'll know who's filled with the Holy Spirit. So for anybody to say that somebody's experience is less real because they didn't have what you had it seems a bit unbiblical to me. Now listen, do I believe in tongues? A hundred percent Yes. I I hope that you pray in tongues. I I would long for that because it's it's a spiritual conversation between you and God. And do I believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yes, 100%. Do I believe you should be baptized? Yes, 100%. If you've never taken that next step of physical baptism and obedience, you should. Not because something magical will happen, but because God said, this is what's next for you. If you're going to follow me, which is what being a disciple literally means, following God, this is how you do that. You, you take your next step. Do what you know, and you need to be baptized. So yes, go through physical baptism, which is a one-time thing after you've confessed Jesus as Lord, but spiritual baptism, baptism into the Holy Spirit, it is a continual process happens over and over. Remember what I said when last week in Ephesians, the Bible literally translated would read, but be being filled. You remember that? Nobody. Okay. It was a good message. Maybe check it out online. Uh, But it's not a suggestion. It was written in the Greek in the present imperative. It's an instruction for ongoing relationship. So let me be clear. I believe, and therefore this church believes, that all these spiritual gifts are alive, well, and active. Their purpose is not to draw attention to yourself, but rather to draw attention to God. The gifts God promises are meant to bring glory to Jesus. They're meant to help encourage believers and witness to unbelievers. So when the gifts are used in a public way... And God is not the center of attention, but the person who's using the gifts, hear me, the devil is the only one glorified by that nonsense. He's like, yes, distraction. Yes, weirding people out. Why does that glorify him? Because you're not using God's power to defeat him, which is the point of the spiritual gifts. Helping, helping people and witnessing people by defeating the devil. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching up here. The point of spiritual gifts, what we see repeated in Scripture, when the Holy Spirit shows up, is evidence at work that the Holy Spirit is there. That's why there was tongues. He's saying, I'm here. That's why there was fire. I'm here. That's why there was wind and earthquakes and everything. The Holy Spirit's saying, hey, I'm here. This is all about me and God. God. That was my entire point earlier. Something needs to be different about your life when God shows up. But make no mistake, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not interrupt other people's salvation experience. So for somebody to say, I'm going to stand up and speak in tongues or I'm going to stand up and speak a word of knowledge, do I believe in those things? Absolutely. But the Bible says, let everything be done decently and in order says God's not the author of confusion. So I believe when those things occur they der- and they derail the message, that's not from God. The Holy Spirit would not interrupt himself from working. Furthermore, 1 Corinthians 14 will go on to say that the spirit of a prophet is controlled by the prophet. Which means when you're using your gift, you're going to be in your right mind the entire time. So when these charlatans on TV have people pass out and like flop around like a fish, it's a gross misrepresentation of God. It's why most spiritual gifts won't be put on public display here at New Anthem on a Sunday. This will always be a safe place for you to invite your friends. There's not ever going to be a cringe Sunday when you have to look over at somebody and say, oh, it's not normally like that. Like, I don't even know where that flag came from. Who's running around with the tambourine? Like, you won't have to worry about that stuff (laughs) because this is a safe place. So yes, please speak back to me and say amen and feel comfortable shouting me down and say, that was for me. Somebody say, that was for me, Pastor. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like you can feel free to say stuff like that to encourage the Holy Spirit to continue. I mean, I'm a referee. I've seen you all at basketball games. And if you can get that excited about a kid throwing a ball through an iron hoop, you can get a little more excited about Jesus who saved your life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If you want to clap for something, that would be something you could clap about. You can get fired up for Jesus. But at the end of the day, let's make sure he's the one being glorified. Bottom line. All the gifts are alive, active, and well. But their point is to help people and be a witness. That's our theological stance here at New Anthem. Next point. Spiritual gifts can be capabilities that haven't been sacrificed to God yet. Spiritual gifts can be capabilities that haven't been sacrificed to God yet. This is what I meant at the beginning when I said you're a 10 in some area. Okay, Here's the passage I can back this up with. Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. So check it out. Bezalel, he's a master in every craft. Like there's never been a craftier one than the crafty Bez. He was Pinterest before Pinterest was cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he could build stuff and that stuff at Hobby Lobby, that is JV compared to what Bezalel is manufacturing in his garage. I mean, the shiplap is cool. It's great. You've never handcrafted anything out of gold. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what Bezalel has been gifted to do. Here's all I'm saying. Whatever you're good at, it's just a gift that hasn't been sacrificed to God yet. And the moment you're filled with the Holy Spirit, all your talents, anything you're good at, anything you're passionate about, they can all be used in supernatural ways to glorify God. Plus, I believe you'll get better at them because the creator of the universe is coursing through your veins with creative power. But again, it's not so you can be glorified in it. It's so God can be glorified. And here's why I bring this up. Because I think too often people feel like they have to segment their lives and that they have their work skills over here, but then they have their church duties over here. Wrong. I think if you're using your gifts at your job, you should be using the same gifts to glorify God. That's kind of why God put you in that job. I made you passionate about those things to help and be a witness. Look, because a local church exists to serve her community and to be a light to the nations, then the leaders developed in each local church are developed for much more than to serve the church. See, my job is to equip you for ministry outside these walls. Because listen, any mission that people are being invited to out there, In comparison to the mission God has invited you to in life, you're changing people's eternity. You can't say that when you're, you know, doing their taxes. You're changing their life. I mean, their plumbing, yeah, might change their life, but it ain't changing their eternity. God says, I want you to do that. That's why I've given you a gift. God brought you here today to tell you that that passion you have, that skill you have, you can use it for His glory. Driving truck, whatever you do, that's of God. He wants you to do it to the best of your ability. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do immeasurably, immeasurably more than you even think or imagine. There are things you never knew you could do that God will empower you to do because you've sacrificed your capabilities to Him. When you're faithful with what you have, you don't have to quit doing what you're doing. Just make a ministry out of it. God gave you your opportunities and abilities for a reason. But check it. We're all different for that reason. Jump down to verse 27. It says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? The rhetorical question he's asking there is answered with a big fat no. No, we don't all have the same function because he just said we're a body. And just like my body has ears that's holding up this microphone and a mouth that can talk, and I've got lungs that are keeping me breathing while simultaneously giving me the ability to produce air and have a voice, I've got feet and legs that are holding me up, and I've got fluid in my ears, listen to this, that's telling me up from down, and if I spin around, I've got toes that keep me on balance like a gyroscope. Even that little pinky toe, which you don't really know what it's for so small. It's keeping you on balance which so I don't tip over. You see what I'm saying? My body has all kinds of different tasks. So does the body of Christ. Before Jesus ascended on high, He gave to us the Holy Spirit to unlock the gifts that each one of you possess. And it's all different. You just have to use it for God's glory. Here's what you can write down. It's not great ability, God blesses. It's availability. It has nothing to do with your ability. It's about your availability. Glamour and importance are not connected. Just because someone's gift is more visible doesn't mean it's more important. One of the things crippling churches all over the world is because people, People think that because I can stand up and pastors all around the world can stand up and speak to you in public, that their job is more important than everyone else's. Wrong. God just decided that I'd best glorify him with my mouth. I'm not smarter than you, I'm not more gifted than you. I was just available and faithful. The text is clear we're all needed and we're all important. The public things compose so little of what God is wanting to do. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but most of the significant things that the Holy Spirit does in Scripture, He did in private. The creation of the world, when He was hovering over the darkness, that was in private. He sent Jesus into Mary's womb In private, he rose Jesus from the dead in the privacy of that cold, dark tomb. I think a lot of people read the Bible, specifically the book of Acts. They think there's all these visible miracles then. How come we're not seeing them now? When the reality is there's only 30 miracles listed in the book of Acts, and it's 28 chapters, and they span a 30-year period. So in truth, if God was doing one visible miracle per year, that rate would be the same rate as what He could do now. Most of the miracles are occurring that are occurring are the ones we don't see. You want to talk about a miracle, how about the fact that I'm even standing upright? That's a miracle. The world is spinning at thousands of miles an hour, and we're staying in the air. Are you kidding me? That's a miracle. The fact that you can fly on an airplane and not crash to your imminent death, that's a miracle. You see what I'm saying? Miracles all the time. It's the ones that we don't see. You say, Pastor, if I could just see one, or if I could just do one, I'd have more faith. No, you wouldn't. See, sometimes God knows we can do something that we're not ready to do yet. Your gifts can take you places that your character can't sustain you. No, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. Maverick taught me that, okay? And Jesus. It's a very biblical movie. Don't watch it with your kids, okay? But the gifts are meant to glorify God, and people use them to glorify themselves. And God says, no, you're not ready for that yet. The Bible does make it clear that you should pray for other gifts, but you've got to be able to use it for God's glory. Let me ask you this question as we close. Are you willing to do the small things nobody sees so God can get the credit and not you? Are you so dedicated to God that you've decided it's not my ability but rather my availability that matters, so I'm just going to take every opportunity I can and that I get to glorify God? I mean, have you really committed yourself to figuring out the gifts that God has given you? And then in confidence, try to make yourself available to God in order to use that gift. I think one of the biggest travesties within the American church specifically is in our spirit of individualism and patriotism, which is what we value here in America, being a rugged pioneer who bucks the trend. That's the American dream. But because of that, we've gotten to the place where we try and do everything on our own. And when we're operating in our own power, nothing gets done. Listen, the only thing God is looking for is your faithfulness. Will you do what God has gifted you to do? That's the gift that keeps on giving. You using your gift to glorify God. And see, the reason gifts are so important is because God gave you a gift. He sent His Son Jesus to this earth as a gift to you. Knowing that you couldn't do anything of your own power to save yourself. Like there's no way you can earn your way to God. Your gifts are your 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 what you're trying to do, all the good things the Bible says they're like filthy rags to God. There, there needed to be something, a perfect someone with no sin in their life in order to get to God. Because the Bible says that, that all you earn by sinning, which, which means just not living the way God intended for you to live, that's sin. It says the only thing you earn by sinning is death. And so we're going to need somebody that beats death so that you can be forgiven. And God says, I've got just the thing. It's my son. It's going to cost everything he has. He's going to give up all the wealth that He has in heaven. He's going to come to this earth and He's going to die a horrible, brutal, painful death. He's going to choke in His own blood and He's going to suffocate to death so that you don't have to. That's the gift. And God says it's free to anyone who wants to believe. I'm going to talk about a gift that keeps on giving. Come on, somebody. God says just trust in Jesus and you can be forgiven. That's the message. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus and accept that free gift of salvation. The Holy Spirit's here. He's working. He's knocking on your heart's door, but you've got to answer. And I would just invite you in your heart to say, God... I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe He died for me. I believe He rose from the dead. And because of that, I can be made new. God, I'm sorry for sinning. I'm sorry for living the way You wouldn't want me to. Forgive me. Help me forgive others. Thank You for saving me. God, thank You for new life. Thank You for this free gift of salvation offered through Your Son, Jesus. God, You made it clear. You said that if anybody wants the Holy Spirit, all they have to do is ask. God, on behalf of everyone in this room today, I'm asking for You to send Your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Blow up all the non-life-giving elements that people have in their life. Forgive them. Help them forgive others. Help them be changed. Give them these fruits of the Spirit that You have promised. Help each person as they leave today. We love You. We praise You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.